0: Welcome to the Fan Bros! The show where the Bros are fans! Doodle! And welcome, internets, to another episode of FAN! The show where the pros, are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Ben Hamine, a.k.a. Wakanda's favorite DJ, a.k.a. Peter Posh, a.k.a. the <laughs> Dab Nebula, here in the spaceship tonight, here on Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds, the multicultural maestros. And as always, I am joined by...
1: Tatiana King-Jones, The Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the Spaceship, The Shade Runner, Trill Quiss, Chance the Parappa, Deuce Piccolo, The Phantom Menace to F Society, and Colleen Wingstop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to keep it short and sweet tonight. You know, I dropped a few new ones on you, Peter Posh, and but
1: I'm actually, as usual, jealous because I don't understand how you're coming up with so many, and I have nothing.
0: It's always a last minute thing. Right before I hop in the spaceship, they just pop into my head. You know, I went with Ugh. that nebula. To any new listener, we are the voice of the urban geek. Thank you to everyone out there who's an old listener. I won't say old. I mean old, young. You know, we love you all.
1: Current listener.
0: Current long time subscriber. There you is what are. We're always looking for. So make sure you're subscribed. You know, if this is your first time, you know, go ahead, click that subscribe button on SoundCloud, iTunes. You can go ahead and subscribe to the Loudspeakers Network on YouTube. Cause you'll find us there where you can find all of our videos. If that's the only way to see the show, you'll see the show there every week. But you know, make sure you hit that subscribe wherever you're at right now. Stitcher. Mm uh i don't know where else you find this show at like
1: stitcher itunes google play music iheart radios soundcloud i already said itunes um pretty much any podcast aggregator out there we're on there um and hopefully we'll be in one more place we have to talk to a few people i can't talk about it right now but there, there's one special place that will will be showing up soon hopefully
0: Oh, not hopefully. We will be there. Okay, Let's, you we, know, we will. We, we just can't tell you where it's at. Just right. Like. <laughs>
1: we just can't tell you where. But not quite yet. But when it's official, you will know.
0: But we will be there. Don't worry about that. And uh, someone who won't be there <laughs> next season is.
1: You're so mean.
0: <laughs> I mean.
1: Yeah. So. About that.
0: About that.
1: About that. Ben, I mean your show on Netflix. I yeah. call it your show because you, cause you were you were very a big proponent of it. But I'm
0: definitely a champion of it.
1: Yeah, but uh, the get down has been canceled. Mm. So it's pretty sad because this is the first Netflix show that was canceled after only one season. I know a lot of people think that there were two seasons, but there was really only one. They they split up the season into two parts. The first half, like the first six episodes or so aired in August. this past August. And then the next aired in April. So, unfortunately, it literally, like, minutes before we started recording, this news came down the pipeline. And I know I told Ben, and Ben Ben was hurt. I know you still hurt, Ben.
0: I mean, I'm not even hurt as much as amazed because that's really stunning to me because Netflix has had all kind of joints. Like, I remember that you said this poster in the subway about some show that took place on a boat or something. <laughs> I was like, yeah. For real? Like, they I had mean, mad shows. And this is the first one that made it only one season?
1: Yeah. I mean, they've canceled other shows. Like, there was, like, Hemlock Grove and Marco Polo and some others that had been canceled. But they got yeah. at least two seasons. And uh, and maybe one or two got even up to three before they got canceled. But the point is, it's the first one after a while they was like, nah, we're pulling the plug. Damn, damn. And then Baz Lerman, the director himself, he actually took to his Facebook page and kind of put in a, a nice open letter. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go to Facebook.com, check out his page. But he basically said how the cast is unique and exceptional. Um you know, he he really wanted to show the story and illustrate the story of the hip hop community at large, but especially the forefathers of hip hop like Grandmaster Flash, Cool Herc, Africa Bimbada, Grandmaster Kaz, Curtis Blow and a whole bunch of more people's names that he that he writes. But basically, he says for the future of this show, the spirit of the get down and the story, it will remain. It's going to have its own life. It's not going to live on Netflix, but it will it, the spirit will live on.
0: Oh, man, that really does suck, because I, I agree with him there that the cast was definitely very talented. I love most of the cast. You know, I love seeing Jimmy Smiths as well. It's just the fact that they use all these new young actors and actresses. So uh, hopefully they get more roles. But I also feel like the Get Down... I mean, I know one thing was that it was rather expensive to produce. I mean, super expensive to produce that show. It was very expensive. They spent a lot of money on it, so I'm sure Netflix didn't want to keep spending that money if they weren't getting the returns on the views.
1: Right. That's why it, they killed Marco Polo. They said it was too so expensive.
0: Damn,
1: damn, damn!
0: But my big problem with Get Down was, and I'm sure a lot of people's big problem with it, that it was just... I don't know. The tone was so hard to get with like i really loved the fact like he just said like they show grandmaster flash and there's a scene on the get down which i highly re- recommend Anyone scene where grandmaster flash explains DJing? it's just so monumental and there mm. were great scenes like that but the story and the show as a whole i wasn't really blown my yeah. way by it was just these scenes that would carry me through the like the whole show where i was just like okay you know this is cool
1: Right. And this, the era that it's talking about and illustrating, is well before my time. So for people like me, I'm not sure how easy...
0: Well before me.
1: Right. I don't know how easy it is unless you're like a a hip hop head, you work at Genius or something. Uh, And unless you maybe you are more of a historical person where you like that that, um, scripted perspective, if you will. I don't know how much people can get into this. Like, I feel like you really had to be into that culture to, and really want to learn about the, the origins to really get that much into the gig down. I know I tried, I watched one episode and I kind of was like, like it was well done, but I, I just, it didn't draw me in personally. And to your point of, you said the story wasn't that great. Whatever, point is, it just didn't mesh with what the viewers wanted to see at this day and in t- in time, at this point in time.
0: I wonder how the breaks is doing. You know, speaking of the nineties, then because I, I haven't really paid attention to the second season of that as well. But right. I enjoyed the first season just as much as I enjoyed the first season of The Get Down. But I barely got into the second one. I mean, the second half, and I guess I really don't need to right now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> are you
1: afraid if you do they're gonna get the canceled? No, are I'm you, not are, about,
0: you the, are you the sitcom killer? Or are you the show? No, killer? I'm talking about The Get Down. I never oh, finished okay. the first season of that, and now I'm like, oh. mm, uh, I guess I don't need to. Um, it's not. Yeah, so anyway, uh, real quick, you know, I gotta give a big shout out because if you're listening to this on Thursday, May 25th, it is the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. A new wow. Hope. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the greatest films ever made and what kicks off, you know, one of the greatest franchises and a life-changing event for me. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: And I'm sure it'll be celebrated with more respect than Star Trek's 50th was.
0: Oh, oh my God. I mean, yeah. I don't even know really what's going on tomorrow. I know there's some things happening in New York. I'll definitely be out in the city. Oh, there's, gonna, for,
1: there's absolutely stuff happening. I, don't, I can't tell you the specific things in each city or whatever, but there's absolutely shit happening all over the country.
0: Yeah, man. Happy 40th anniversary to Star Wars. Can't wait to see The Last Jedi. And another thing that I'm also hyped for, that it, obviously if you check the Fan Bro Show Instagram today, is the Game of Thrones trailer dropped finally. What did you Ooh. think? I mean, you saw it on Instagram, Tatiana. Yeah, I did. What did do you think? But I, did I you, but, I but, it was a but, giant what? dragon up in that joint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> obviously, for the people who did not see it, and because this is a podcast and it's audio, can you tell them what you thought?
0: There was a giant dragon up in that joint. There was. Yes. All three of the dragons for a brief glimpse looking bigger and badder than they ever have. Um, The one thing that I was missing from the trailer is the actual appearance of the snow and the ice. Like winter has come and we really don't see, you know, the northern army, the real ice, you know, the real threat. But it's like. It's so implied. I know. And it's so implied throughout the trailer that that's the biggest problem facing everyone. But beyond that, it was dope. You know, it's some images that we've seen before, like Daenerys, you know, reaching that certain throne, not the Iron Throne, another throne, the actual home of the Targaryen family. She gets Mm -hmm. back there. You know, she's headed for the mainland, everything. We know that.
1: Yeah, they revisit Jon Snow when they were hailing him as King of the North. There we the, go. The Night Watch. And then I loved what I appreciated. The true
0: hero of the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, for real. What I appreciated seeing, because um, it starts out with Cersei talking yes. about how there's enemies to the north and the south of her and the east and the west. All and,
0: these haters hating on the true hero.
1: Maybe I'm childish, but the first thing I thought of was um, on A Fresh Prince where... <laughs> Where Jeffrey oh, was doing that. He was Timothy. Le- oh, well, You know, the, the episode where Will was Timothy De La Ghetto. And oh, Jeffrey was man. like, cannon to the left. For me. That's all I could think of. That's like, but anyway, I,
0: that's I, all I could I, think of. I was thinking about Fife Dog when he's like, um, well, enemies come sideways. Enemies come left away. Oh. Enemies <laughs> must come straight away. <laughs> like-
1: well... Well, hip hop -hop and fake uh, poets aside, um, with Cersei explaining how she was just surrounded on all sides by enemies, but she was still, no matter what, triumphant in the face of, or she feels that she will be triumphant no matter what. Um, But still, really cool to see that. Very, very ominous tone, ominous scene. I love that you got to see the Dataraki army along with um, what I believe to be Drogon, the biggest dragon, flying above them, ready to... Really fuck shit up. Then, of course, they showed. Um, the, you saw you saw a little bit like Arya and the rest of the rest of the the remaining Starks. You saw the red lady, uh, the red woman. You saw pretty much the key characters, and there was there was real real quick glimpse. But the f- fact is, this is the fight. This is the one, and this is the last season, right?
0: No, no. There's still one more season there's after this. one more. Okay. This is a shortened season, and the next season will be even shorter. This one is like eight episodes, I think, and yeah, like seven. Yeah. And they said, you know, everyone's saying that this is season moves. Like no like no season before this is when this one is just every episode is going to be action packed and getting right I to the I believe it. Yeah. I
1: believe the trailer itself was very kinetic. The trailer trailers aren't always indicative of what's gonna happen in the season, but I feel like because they know they have shorter episodes or, or shorter amount of episodes a little bit of time that they wanted to have a bigger punch so they're gonna go hard on the action and I, they, this time around they're gonna really get to the point because they kind of have no choice to get to but to get to the point
0: point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also we got to give a big rest in power shout out to the late great roger moore who passed away recently and you know I mean, he was actually not only, you know, a great actor, after his time in the spotlight, he continued to do a lot of humanitarian work. At the same time, he also kind of, you know, dissed Idris Elba and had some questionable things to say about <laughs> him being Bond. So, but, you know, more was like the Bond that I grew up with. But at the same time, like when I look back, I realize that he's not the, you know, the, the dopest Bond, but, you know. Shout out to him. You know, rest in power, bro. Yep. Anything yeah. else? Nah, I think that's about it. You know, we got a huge action-packed episode ahead of us as always. So, you know, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. Hey, this Orlando Jones, and when I'm not having sex, and you know I love having sex, I'm listening to fan bros. Truth be told, I be listening to fan bros when I'm having sex. Sometime. Because you ain't lived until you... Fan bros. And welcome back, internet. So I know you've been enjoying this episode of Fan Bro Show, but we are about to turn it up in the spaceship tonight because once again we are bringing you another exclusive interview. And today, one of our most star-studded guests mm-hmm. yet is here in the spaceship. We have Brian Fuller, the American screenwriter and television producer who has worked—I mean, what <laughs> on, on what has he not worked on? But he's helped to create things like Dead Like Me, Wonderfalls, Pushing Daisies, Hannibals. And of course, I said (laughs) Hannibals. There have been a few. Yeah, this is true. There have been a few Hannibals. So Hannibals. And of course, the favorite, the one that we have to talk about today. Day, the hit star series American Gods Woo! welcome Brian Fuller how you doing sir? I'm great thank you for having me here oh Woo! man thank you for I being here oh my
1: gosh
2: Woo.
0: <laughs> it is yeah I mean this is crazy yeah you know like, American Gods is popping yeah. Brian Fuller's in the spaceship it's, it's going down <laughs> I right now the board. Man, <laughs> this is amazing all right but right off the bat you know before we get into the TV everything I gotta ask you this Who in Hollywood are you competing with for best hair?
3: Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, There's there's some fantastic hair in Hollywood. Um... You know, I don't know, man. You, you, you can't know. name anybody. Uh, yeah, right? you can't even this name anyone. Like, I mean, You're like, ah, oh, they ain't got nothing on me, though. He's for like, real. there's
2: me <laughs> and <No>. there's me.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll just take that as a compliment. Yes, I mean,
0: obviously, I would say, you know, back in the day, Kurt Russell might have had something for you, but okay. he
3: had some great hair in yeah. the latest Guardians of the Galaxy. He did? Damn too. sure it yeah. did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was some screen magic right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, I was reading up on you before you got here, obviously, and there's there's like this gap in your history that I, I really want to understand because this is like something that a lot of people, you know, especially listening to the show, they really don't understand how you make, you know, get to these levels mm-hmm. right, in, right. in the game. And, you know, it says that you were working as a office temp yeah, for like five years and then suddenly you're writing TV shows. yeah. It's,
1: How? Yeah. (laughs) Well,
3: (laughs) I was very lucky at that time. Star Trek had an open script submission policy, so you could be anybody and write a script. As long as you had the discipline to write a script and send it in, Mm -hmm. you had a shot. And so I did. I I wrote a spec script. I was watching uh, Deep Space Nine, Mm -hmm. and that's one of my favorite Star Trek shows. And. Uh, When I was watching, I just saw the code of it. I was like, oh, this is how they tell stories. So I wrote a spec script, sent it in. They rejected it. And then I wrote another one. And they accepted that. And then I got in to pitch. And I pitched them the story of the first one that they had rejected and sold that. And then got uh, another sale. And then they gave me a script. And then they hired me on staff. And I was on staff for four years. So it was... It was really tenacity. So mm-hmm. if at first you don't succeed, you absolutely have to try, try again, because I keep having to try, try again, because I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't succeed on the first swing.
0: Now, I mean, we that also, speaking on that, you know, you're considered one of the best writers in Hollywood. You've won numerous awards. I mean, you're, the Company Man script is listed as one of the best, 100 best episodes ever. Mm-hmm. That
3: was a that was, Those were good times on Heroes. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely heady days, but at the same time, you fallen victim to that thing that you know all great men fall victim to at one point or another: the premature cancellation.
3: Oh, oh yeah, yeah.
2: There, there, <laughs> yeah
3: I was like impotence. <laughs> uh, I was looking at DJ Man. I mean, like, where is he going
1: with this? Oh,
3: okay. is this an ED sort of conversation? Like we just slipped uh, into an ED
0: commercial. <laughs> It's our <laughs> gotta pay these bills somehow. I feel mean, like selling out,
3: man. A little blue pill goes a long way. Uh, you know, it, uh, I guess that's part of the reason I've done so many shows is that they keep getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm. and that's, I've never been one to do regular TV. Like I've always been curious about putting orange cones up where I see other people going and just trying to find a different path just to find a different path. And uh, so those paths are often unexplored and often lead to cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I'm just glad to be on a show now that is being supported by the network, and they are putting us out there. So, yeah, it's it's there. There have been a few that have gone down, but uh, looking back on it, I'm I love every opportunity that I've had to tell a different kind of story.
1: Mm. So, would you say that cancellation is considered a failure or just to your other point in a, a divergent path?
3: Uh, I think the yes is the answer to that question. I think it's, it's undeniably a failure. It's sort of like if I said, no, it's not a failure to be canceled. Uh, it's a failure of one kind of measurement, mm. um, which is a an antiquated measuring stick with ratings and things like that. Right. So, um, honestly, I've enjoyed such a fantastic relationship with, that really bloomed with Hannibal with the the Hannibal audience mm-hmm. and and those who are as big a fans of Hannibal as I am and that has been incredibly special so it, it it kind of is inconsequential how many people tuned in because the power of that relationship with these people who who love the show and we have a mutually respectful relationship and we like to talk about Hannibal Lecter and horror and things like that. So that, that I would say is more satisfying than any number on a rating sheet. Mm, mm, and maybe I'm just fooling myself, but I do enjoy.
1: Well, that's actually interesting and it does make sense because, especially nowadays, the way that TV is kind of on the Netflix model as well, yeah. and then in turn that you also have the idea of Twitter. So you have immediate responses. You have that. You would have had that fanable fan base where they go nuts when it comes to live tweeting, when it comes to sharing the hashtags and sharing all the content behind it. Now, you had that and now we're going into American Gods where it's getting like, you know, critical mass with that type of stuff. Yeah. We have our own hashtag Gods, G A W D S. Okay, have you okay, seen that? yes, yes,
3: I have. And I yeah. will start using that now that I know. Okay. okay. So <laughs> yeah. I, I like, make who sure. started this? I may I I like watch tonight for the live tweeting and I'm going to be doing some hashtag God. Awesome, awesome.
0: Well, like with American Gods, the show has so many different themes and concepts being introduced. But what to you is the overall like theme
3: or idea that you wanted to push besides just telling a good story i think in some way the the simplest idea that's the most beautiful idea of the show is religious tolerance Mm. and religious equality and giving people the benefit of the doubt in their belief like if you believe something that's different than i am I would be an asshole to assume that my belief is better than your belief, but I'm not an asshole if I think that's fantastic. You have a belief in your life that fuels you and gives you power. I have a belief in my life that fuels me and gives me power. And that's the point of belief. But once you start you know, saying one is better than the other, that's when the assholery comes into play.
2: Mm.
0: What about like the concept of like the afterlife and things like, because that's something I can't lie to you. Since I've been watching American Gods, it's really made me think about, like, what do I believe in in terms of what an afterlife is? So were these ideas that you wanted to push, or did they just come naturally out of reading the book and then making the show?
3: It's A lot of the stuff came out organically, and I'm, I'm curious about what you've been thinking about in terms of the afterlife, like in terms of... Where do you go? Or? Yeah, I've
0: been, I, because I grew up Christian, obviously, but I've never been a person. <laughs> well, not I mean, not obviously, but I, mean, I grew up a Southern Baptist in you, you know go. Houston. Right. So, it's like, and I have a long line of, like, pastors and churchmen in my family. Right. And, you know, we're very spiritual, everything like that. But at the same time, I've never been one who was like, oh, yeah, Christianity is the way, you know, right. or, you know, Islam is the way or this is the way. I didn't, yeah. and none of those really made sense to me. So I really don't have, like, when the woman dies and she sees, you know, the Egyptian gods and all that, and, you know, she has this Mm -hmm. concept of, like, you know, there's going to be a feather
3: weighing and all that. Right, right, right. You know, I don't
0: have really those concepts. So it's made me really, like, well, what does that mean?
3: Yeah, I mean, for for me, I was raised Catholic. And Mm -hmm. uh, I went through a phase where I was very anti-Catholic because I was— uh, seeing things within the church where I was like, that's hypocritical, and that doesn't make any sense to what the teachings of Christ mm-hmm. were. And as somebody who I I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe he was a, a very wise teacher, I don't know if he's the son of God because I don't have that level of experience, mm-hmm. but he kind of doesn't have to be in order for me to think that he's a fantastic teacher. Yep. So with the afterlife, I, I actually, I i kind of believe that we're in the hologram. I subscribe to the hologram theory mm-hmm. uh, because it makes most sense of the magic that I've experienced in my life. If If all religions are equal and everybody's coming at spirituality from a different point of view there there is a consistency of the rules of the universe that make me start to like be the science fiction fan and say, like, okay, how does what are the rules of this universe and how do they apply? And in my experience when I've when I've had an experience, whether it's a thought popping in my head where I don't know where it came from, and that leads me down a path of someplace I didn't know I wanted to go, but I'm glad when I got there mm-hmm. uh, or just uh you know having a good cup of of tea <laughs> you know <where> i'm like <laughs> i'm I'm grateful for this tea there's something about the the hologram theory, and you know that we're we're essentially a a virtual reality simulation of a much more sophisticated alien species who's trying to figure out what it it is to be human. Mm. And if you look at the planet as a whole and you look at all these different experiences ranging from extreme poverty to extreme wealth to extreme education to extreme ignorance and everything in between, the planet kind of makes up every point on that spectrum as far as an individual experience And if I were a sophisticated alien species wanting to catalog what it is to be human, that's probably a good model to collect data. So that and that for me allows belief to be as powerful as anything because that's integrated into the rule system of how you operate. And when you're playing this game Mm -hmm. and the most fundamental rule of this game is to be human and be kind so that feels like something that I'm not getting entirely from any one religion, but the science fiction slash science theory of what we could be experiencing as reality, not necessarily being physically real is fantastic to me because once again we're all equal we're all just members in a game trying to navigate and our only obligation is to have a human experience while we're here does that make sense it that does. makes a
1: lot of sense it also will bring up a lot of questions in <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> particularly the part when I, I from an existential level i can understand when you say that we're all equal but then you also know personally and for people you write for that we're not necessarily equal in the no. social sense. No,
3: not at all. Right. Not at all. So I
1: just want to, and I know that that's, you have that built in, but I know other people may hear that and go, what is he talking about? We're all equal. Because people like to jump to a land call conclusions. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And they listen. So um, I just wanted to make sure that I threw that in there. So if you wanted to <laughs> add on.
3: Well, I think that's, <laughs> you know, I had an instructor in high school who pointed that out to everybody. She was like, you know, as everyone was graduating, she said, you're going to be told that everybody is equal, and that's just not the truth. Right. Like, <laughs> everybody is, is not born with the same experience. Everyone doesn't have the same physical capabilities. Everyone looks different. So you're going to have reactions to you mm-hmm. that put you at inequality in the eyes of your fellow man. But as far as the game goes... Right. And the experience of just having a human experience, however tragic or glorious that is, that feels like the equality of humanity, even though socially and in the infrastructure, there is vast, gross inequalities. And that's something that I think the the perception of equality in a grander sense of what the human being, human experience is can fuel you to try to find equality or make equality where Mm. there is inequality. Mm. And that's where I sort of take that kind of spirituality from is trying to be fair and balanced and help fellow man when you can. And and those things all boil down to a basic Christianity
1: Mm.
3: in a way. You know, be kind, be tolerant.
1: Right, right, right.
3: Love. And so that's, that's fascinating to deal with as a, f- a lapsed Catholic look, dealing with religious subject matter that is bringing in all sorts of different cultures and races into the the conversation, mm-hmm. each of them having a completely different and valid experience. So it's, it really is like jumping into the potpourri and smelling everything, but not saying like, that's a rose petal. Right, right, <laughs> right. Right, right, right. See, I,
1: I think your, your understanding, your personal understanding and the way you go about writing, is very full-bodied, and that's why I think your characters are very full-bodied, because you have a very sensitive understanding of the human experience. And just the fact that when you said from a humanity perspective people are equal, that's why you're not writing, like, for instance, black characters as, quote-unquote, black characters. Right. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up, particularly, was with Mr. Nancy. When we talked to Orlando uh, recently, he had said that... Well, I asked him, well, did you ad-lib any of this? He said, no. This was all from the writers, you and Michael, right? Yeah, a
3: couple of white guys.
1: So let's talk about that. Yeah. What in your experiences have helped you to vocalize that? Like that was, it it wasn't even a monologue. I don't know what to call it. It was just like.
0: We called it the God narrative. The God God narrative, right. Like
1: how did you, in your personal experiences um, and just your understanding, like how did you all were able to write that?
3: Uh, Well, you know, from, you know, Michael and I had different backgrounds. Uh, His background was uh, Jewish, uh, not strictly Orthodox, but uh, very respectful of all the traditions. I was raised with a Catholic mother and uh, an atheist father who was also extreme racist. So I grew up in a household where every epithet was used, including faggot, which I knew was me. Mm -hmm. So I I knew I was being lumped in with the others that didn't like, that weren't liked Mm. for whatever reason, whether it was, and my dad used everything, every, like he hated everybody equally. And there was an experience that I had in second grade and there was one black family in the entire town. And uh, the nuns at the Catholic school asked the the kids, what's your favorite show? And this little black girl said, the Jeffersons. And I said, oh no, no, you can't watch that. It has a bunch of ninjas in it. But I didn't say ninjas. In second grade? In second grade. Because I was like, no, no. Because I had no. Yeah. You had no
1: understanding. Kids, children yeah, have kids, no, no filter. understanding. Yeah. Not, not just no filter, no context, no yeah. awareness of what it really means.
3: Uh, but I wow. knew from looking at that little girl's face what, what I said. said. Yeah. And it was my oh first my anxiety God. attack. Like, I, as a kid, I had an, a tunnel vision, my ears plugged. Yeah. I had tinnitus. Right. Nobody corrected me. None of the nuns, none of the adults, nobody corrected me in that environment. But what corrected me was that little girl's face saying, you hurt me Mm -hmm. Mm. with a word. So that was, I knew enough to know that hate was relatable and that I was in a hate group or in a hated group. Even as a little kid, I knew I was, I knew I was different. I didn't know I was gay because testicles hadn't dropped and <laughs> I didn't know my sexuality, but I, I know my dad sensed it and mm-hmm. I know my dad hated me for it. Mm-hmm. So when he talked about everybody, I just saw it as hate. So I just thought, oh, you're hating people because you don't understand them. Cause I would question him. Like, why do you feel this way? Why do you hate these people that you don't know? And he would say, you don't understand. You weren't in the Navy. That was, and I was like, I've seen pictures of you in the navy, and there's a lot of guys in their underwear. So yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, but it, yeah. it it was an epiphany. I had an epiphany as as how old are you in second grade? Like seven or eight? Yeah, yeah. if that
0: six seven. Yeah.
3: And uh, from that point forward, I remember my mom. There was one Christmas where because those words were used very commonly in my household. Yeah. And after that point when I understood that it was a hurtful word, um, like my dad didn't want me to see James Bond because of Live and Let Die. James Bond had sex with a black woman. Uh, when Billy D. Williams was in the commercial for Empire Strikes Back He was
1: just like he no. was
3: like, You can't see that. They ruin everything. So it was that. So I'm not that far. That's in my generation. That's in my life. So I'm hyper aware of hate. It was in the household, Mm -hmm. and so um, it's. I experienced a different kind of hate, like post Trump. uh, Driving home from Los Angeles past Echo Park, somebody drove up next to the car and called me a hipster faggot, and I was like. (laughs) Wait, <laughs> wait, was- <laughs> Wait. I was wearing a really cute Woodstock sweater, a Snoopy Woodstock sweater. Wait, wait, so, wait, was it the
1: car? So
2: like... Brian, yeah,
3: Brian was like, my hair was
1: popping, I was looking cute, and right. they was taking it. And I was, I, was wait, wait. I,
3: I had a cute Snoopy Woodstock sweater on, so I was like, well, maybe it's the
1: sweater that I took my What What strikes me as more hilarious is that you sat there and said, well, maybe something's wrong with my, maybe <laughs> well, the jacket, or maybe the, the shirt's too loud. Like, like in like, Los Angeles. Well, like, you,
3: you yeah,
0: actually tried to. How many times right. did he have to yell at that day? Right. <laughs> Like, like, can't man.
3: throw a, a hipster faggot over your shoulder without hitting one eventual. In Los uh so uh you know, I think that's uh, that's part of it. You know, and I was talking to Chris Obi who plays Death, uh Anibis, yeah. And and you know, we had this conversation with with uh Orlando too, because we were like, We're two white guys. We wrote this from our point of view of what we imagine the experience is. Feel free to change anything. Feel free to correct it. Like, don't embarrass. Like, make sure we don't embarrass ourselves. Right. So
1: you did ask him for his input to be like, look, yeah, if this doesn't sound right to you, help us or whatever.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Now he and, told us he
1: read it as is.
3: Yeah, and he was like, no, it's all good. And it was we was like, good. we're great. Yeah. Uh, so. It's, it is interesting because it, it brings in like that bigger conversation about cultural appropriation and mm-hmm. like do a couple of white guys have any business telling this story or should we just wait for somebody else to have an opportunity who isn't white to, to tell it? And does, is, that, is that appropriate if we have an opinion on it mm. that's not saying this is our experience and we know what it's like to be black? as opposed to this is what we think the experience would be if somebody from now came back and had an honest conversation with a slave ship w- and was this God and was played by Orlando Jones who also spent his Sundays going to like four or five different sermons and getting mm-hmm. you know, an experience that was completely different. So if there's anybody who has a, a divergent experience about religion and a diverse experience and an inclusive experience, it would be him. And uh, he was lovely, and that was that was what was so fascinating to see how he elevated it and rationalized it, and chose words to to pronounce in an Afrikaner English, and chose words that were or chose sentences that were much more Southern Baptist. No, he in, got the, full the, Southern Baptist he at went, one point. <laughs> he was yeah. so
1: and, and so crazy. You mentioned that because I thought about that. That I saw it like three times now, <laughs> and to hear all the different dialects he used, all the different accents he used. Like when he said "black," he didn't say "black," he said "black." black.
0: Mm-hmm. Or black, that's yeah. the southern yeah. Africa, you know, uh, like South Africa, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And I was just like, like, you, I again, the first time around, you just don't catch everything, but really, when you really watch and listen to how he, he his intonations and things like that, it's it's it puts a different feeling on the entire word. So, it's like I said, I was just, I, I just, it just did not dawn on me that that was something that he didn't ad lib at all.
3: It's meticulous and yeah. and he was like fucking Adele up there with yeah. his hand movements, everything. You know, yeah, like yeah, when yeah, Adele yeah, like, yeah. she does <laughs> that stuff. And he, like, everything was, you know, like a magician. Everything was so yeah. structured the way he presented it and, and yeah. articulate that uh, I can't imagine anybody else in that role now.
1: No, he he's phenomenal. And just to, to personify this guy, Anansi the Spider, and those are stories that I grew up being taught about. And uh, it's just... I just never thought I would see that personified. Right. Ever. So I know that with this and with more characters, I know Ben Amin had a particular character he wanted to discuss with you, but Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that people are going to see themselves and their cultures and all the different things uh personified in many different ways and I can't wait to see this second season. But I know Ben, you have the character.
0: Yeah, well I mean like we said, we were talking about the slave ship scene and then like I mean the show just does not pull punches. Like a lot of people have even some commenters, some of our listeners have talked to us about how it begins with, you know, you have a lynching right? Yeah. and then you have a slave ship scene. So a lot of people are very concerned about, you know, the attack or like not attack, but like showing that the blackness being crucified and then, you know, the slaves and everything. And they're like, what's the point of this? There is a point. And There's we're trying to explain to people like we when we talked about Orlando that this is this isn't a slave ship scene. This is something else. You know, this is not 12 Years of Slave. This is not Django Unchained. There's mm-hmm. nothing you've seen before.
3: It's 2017, and it's the conversation that's as relevant as ever. And then
0: you follow this up with two Middle Eastern Muslim men <laughs> having Jen, yeah. literally hot, passionate sex. I guess,
1: I've never seen that on TV. Not, not, not. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> obviously, you, I don't think you've never seen a god have sex with someone. But, like, to that <laughs> To that level. But it was beautiful. Like, it, oh, it personally, I, I, I was just like, wow. Like, so that's what it's like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what it's like. That's <laughs> like so that's what it got. But no, it, it really was. It was passionate. It was beautiful. And I felt love.
3: Oh, good, good.
1: So I think, you, like, you did that very well. You all, you know, the whole team did that very well. And just the fact that you were able to bring those emotions out, like, something that you don't see. Like, you don't, I don't, see, I don't think you see that often. You don't see queer love being right, shown right. to that. I guess uh, I don't know distance. I don't know. Like, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to say it to that to that the level. Yeah. To yeah. That, you don't to like max. Yeah, yeah. like like you see maybe flashes here and there. Maybe Shonda Rhimes does it a bit, but like you don't, you don't, you're never allowed to see the full understanding of it or, or one interpretation of it, if you will. And I thought that was beautiful.
3: Well, we we definitely wanted to have a religious experience yeah. conveyed, and I think sex is a religious experience when it's done right. That's why sort of uh, there's a lot of things happening with that scene that are 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 worth talking about because they're they also don't use condoms. Mhm.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about
0: that. Oh, I mean well, when that fire <laughs> Well, comes... I mean that fire is going to burn. That's going <laughs> to oh, yeah. burn through
1: whatever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But like... I didn't think about that. Like I was just
3: there's going to be a with... d- melted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, to your point, I was just into the experience right. of it. I didn't even think about all that other stuff.
3: Neither did they. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, and, and there's, and, but you know, we did. And we, because uh, right now, well, first, first there was there was the question of you have a gay character and Omida Tahi is like just conveys loneliness mm-hmm. from yes. the first moment oh my you gosh. meet him. Yes. And, you you're rooting for, I mean, whenever any of us see someone loneliness, if we if our, our brains have had the right cues, we know to feel some empathy toward that person because we've had loneliness and we're projecting. And so we get like, oh, it's a very human bonding experience because loneliness is difficult. And so you have a gay man from a country where they'll throw you off a rooftop. if you're a homosexual, yeah. And so we, we start talking about like, well, his experience of sex is is going to be back alley blowjobs and probably nothing more. Mm-hmm. So even a kiss is something mm-hmm. that is, is much more intimate. So what we talked about wanting to give Saleem is we wanted, we wanted him to be made love to. Mm-hmm. And we wanted it to be undeniably beautiful for anybody who might be uncomfortable with same sex uh, mm-hmm. depictions and there there's something about the religious experience of uh, the exchange of energies and you know i uh, It's sex, so it also goes to the funny places where it's, like, hard not to think of Amy Schumer's routine with Michelle Obama walking to the bathroom with the squish, 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 squish. I don't know if you know that one. Oh, God. But uh, (laughs) uh, so there's there's those types of things that you can't help but think about in the practical things. But then you're looking at it and you're seeing two lonely men connect uh, physically and then giving an imagery to it that will give you the feeling that that it is sexual and sensual and because when we're in the heat of passion and you're you're making love to somebody and you're having a true spiritual Mm -hmm. connection where it is like you become one and it's it's amazing and you're looking at somebody but you're so close they look like a cyclops because you're only seeing one eye you know their two Mm -hmm. eyes become one and it does become mythological in a way because there there hasn't been a time where i'm i'm I've been in the middle of good sex. And I think like,
2: Cyclops. <laughs>
3: because, you know, it's just so intimate. So the the mythology of the, of having sex with something mythological felt relatable
1: in, in the same way. Yeah, when you put it that way, it makes sense. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, have
3: you had the Cyclops experience? Of...
1: Well, when you think about it, it's just like, oh, yeah. Like you are literally just one person at this point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, and the the thing with them, I mean, there was a lot of f- giggles in in preparing it because we had to have CGI penises, right. and but nobody really talked about the barebacking, which is it's just, fascinating.
1: It never entered my mind. For what I don't know why it just didn't.
3: Well. For a gay man and the barebacking, it's so charged now Mm -hmm. because I grew up in the 80s and I thought if I was masturbating and I had a cut on my finger, I could give myself AIDS because it was a gay disease and there was no other education. Wow. So I thought it was Mm. just like in my DNA, ready ready for a a switch to flip. Mm. And for gay men of my generation, there's sex Is nothing. It was little, it was hard to have sex and not fear the grim reaper over your bed uh, with the the specter of AIDS or STDs. So, in a similar way with women, uh, there's a lot of like, you're going to get pregnant, there's all the, you're going to get a disease, you're going to get branded a slut. There's all of these things that I feel like women and gay men have had their sexuality kind of oppressed in in completely different ways, but relatable ways. That's why I always feel like gay men and and straight women should be each other's strongest allies because we're up against a lot of the same sort of social hate issues Mm -hmm. in different ways. And I think more has come, more movement has happened in the gay uh, community than with women in the last 10 to 15 years and with race that it feels like will and grace kind of changed a perspective for gays a little little bit bit. i'm still being called a hipster faggot in los angeles but um it was a cute sweater and (laughs) uh but i look at you know what's happened with having a black president i think that was the the country for it was like the country had been skunked With racism. And then we thought we had washed it all out and shampooed the dog in the tub and it was all good. And then it rains and the dog gets wet again. you're like, oh, yeah, we're racist as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And even more misogynistic. So... It's depressing, and, and so but so. Okay, what was my point?
1: Was <laughs> no, it's okay. Keep going. No, uh, we're gonna let you keep going because this is interesting. Well,
3: so, so I think women and men have a have an interesting shame based hurdle to get over with their sexuality, mm-hmm. and now there's a pill called Truvada, which is a pre exposure pill for men that will uh, increase your defense of of being infected with HIV. So a lot of men now are going back to pre-AIDS habits with their sex and sexuality. And I'm seeing in my community of friends a massive change. And I, I've been in a relationship for 11 years, so I'm, I'm not in that, that, uh, that free-willing mm. demographic. So it's strange for me as somebody who's like, oh, my God, AIDS – um, I could give it to myself to seeing people celebrating taking fluids from each other in a way that is that i I, I could argue in a spiritual context is this ritualistic exchange of energy and and it can be a beautiful thing. But if you're just, you know going for the sex and it, and it's just some it, it's it doesn't mean anything that's harder for me to understand personally because it's sex for me is not an athletic event it's a spiritual event yeah. and so um it's interesting to get to the spirituality of sex and i think the Bill scene did that as well because yeah. it was worship yeah. and I feel like we need to be educated as as young people. I'm not young anymore, but I wish if, when I was in my 20s that someone said, this is how you have a spiritual sexual experience as opposed to this is how you ejaculate.
1: I see. Mm. Man, and
3: man, that would be that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, would be, it would have been helpful.
3: I didn't figure it out until my forties, where I was like, "Oh, this is how you let go and you bond, and mm-hmm. this is what it's about." Whereas before, you know, we have we were constantly bombarded with bad examples of sexuality. Yeah. And yeah. no one is ever sitting down and saying, this is a magical, beautiful thing that can happen between two people or more, depending on your, your <laughs> case. Uh, but that, that's something that we wanted the show to be very sex positive in that way, whether yeah. you are giving it up to Bilquist and surrendering and worshiping a, a being of creation as opposed to, oh, I'm going to tap that, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to get mm-hmm. laid, or, like, it's all about, like, going out and putting a notch on your belt, and, and that's, that's part of, like, the weird male-dominated society. That's, like, I have a, a lady friend of mine, and she has a lot of brothers, and she said her dad told her brothers, stick your dick in as many holes as possible. While you can, and I was like, and "And you have daughters, and you're saying that
1: common, 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 yeah, and that's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: And Bill just wants you to worship her love her i'm down um that's
0: something that that i really loved about the scene though with the two men with the gin and everything was one because i grew up you know like i said i grew up southern baptist houston texas and i grew up you know in the 80s with like a different like my mindset is different now than what it was then right and so i know that mindset of the geek who's the dude who doesn't want to see gay sex. who right, to be right, like, oh right. so I loved it because I knew there was gonna be that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and then two, like you said, there is you show the energy flowing from, you know, him to him. And yeah. that's something like you said that that's not explored enough in sex, you know, on screen. So that was really dope for me. So like I say, the show keeps pushing boundaries. And now this is getting into a little bit later in the season, because I've seen the rest of the season. Oh, now. great, great, yeah. And you have the introduction of Mexican Jesus. Yeah, Who was mentioned before, you know, by Mr. Wednesday. Yeah. (laughs) One of his best lines ever. And then you have the scene that shows him, and I won't spoil exactly what happens in the scene for everyone, but it is, to me, almost, if not as devastating as Mr. Nancy's introduction. Like, it just says so much without saying anything at the same time. So what was the, you know, what led to, like, why is it that this show is just saying "fuck it" so much?
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> that is literally the tagline. <laughs> uh, well, I think we have like the opportunity to say "fuck it," yeah. <laughs> so that's a, a, that's as good a reason as any. And you know, with that coming to America story with Mexican Jesus, <laughs> I, I, you know, being raised Catholic and and and. Really having an affinity and a respect for the figure of Jesus Christ and everything mm-hmm. that that represents uh, my ear my ears uh, my eyes burn with tears every time I see the the Mexican immigrants witnessing Jesus Christ walking on water because I transport myself to their point of view of can you imagine mm. Believing in Jesus Christ, going Sunday, and then actually witnessing Jesus Christ performing a miracle—even it seems very basic—but mm-hmm. there was something about it that was like, "That's what—that's what everything means. That's every like, everything you're taught. It like goes to this one man and his teachings about how to be a human being, mm-hmm. and you're witnessing him being a rock star doing what he's supposed to do." and Jesus it, Christ superstar, Jesus Christ yeah. yes, sir, yes and then I mean we will have to just yes, yes, yes. explain yeah. it you know, we, this... we,
1: we'll reverse it, yeah. it uh, <laughs> we'll reverse
0: the audio or
3: something but
0: then <laughs> excuse me spoiler alert like I say the show is just like fuck it this is the reality
3: but those those insane militiamen who take it upon themselves to patrol mm-hmm. the the borders that's their mindset and they have thy God, thy will be done and they have crucifixes and they think they are doing Jesus's will. And it's like, did you, I I guess you just looked at the cover of the book, but you didn't actually crack it open and see what it means. And that felt, that felt like it was not necessarily button pushing, but honest like so, I think the the, the fucket of it all for the show is just trying to be honest with the situations as we see them and with different perspectives. Uh, but it feels like it's also good that should upset you if you see it. You should that should upset you. And if you are a conservative Christian, a do a little research on Christ and figure out that nothing he ever did was conservative. So drop that shit from your name. <laughs> and b realize what it is to actually be human and kind to human because immigration whatever your opinion is on it legal or illegal or legal it's a humanitarian issue it is not a an issue that is a political one it is people who are in need trying to find a better life for themselves and if you're blocking them, then you're just an obstructionist mm-hmm. to somebody else's happiness. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to trying to get yours and not let anybody else get theirs, why not do the human thing and not shoot somebody who's trying to leave a bad situation with their family to find a better life for children? It's like, like we don't care about the dead Syrian boy who washed up on, mm. on the shores, but... You know, something the size of a lentil and a woman's abdomen gets better treatment than a living child. Mm -hmm. So that's that's hypocrisy at its peak.
0: And then, okay, like you were just speaking on that, you were talking about you know conservative Christians and everything. And I'm not—I mean, I'm sure you've seen them. I'm sure you avoid them as much as possible. But I was reading some of the comment sections on various reviews of American Gods. And oh, my God, like, I I, I mean, first of all, I mean, (laughs) you you get the constant, you know, that you're pushing the liberal agenda, which is constant. (sighs) But the one that I saw, which was just like, wow, that was like, I mean, you really had to go there to get to this point. But somebody was like, (laughs) I hope the creators of this show, I hope that like ISIS comes over and
3: blows them up for showing gay Muslim men. I hope they're talking about Almighty ISIS on Zephyr Zephyrwind's blow, because <laughs> <I don't think laughs> she can show up anytime. I don't think so. Okay, the other one, the other ISIS.
0: And so it's just so. It's like, it's like. What do you say to people who like when you when they're saying you're pushing this liberal
3: agenda or anything? I mean, do you have anything to say? Um, I, I, I it's hard not to see it for the fear that it is, mm-hmm. and so when there's reaction, like the I. I rarely read comment sections, but when we first released the clip from Mr. Nancy, I was like, ooh, what are people going to say? Yeah. Uh, I always
1: want to like, you can't help yourself. I'm like, well, I wonder. I was like, scroll,
2: scroll, yeah. scroll, ho. You should have
3: done that. You should have that. Yeah, like the first two, and, it, you know, I was talking to Camille Nanjiani about this because he always gets attacked for being a social justice warrior. Oh. right. Right. Which and because he was like you're an SJW and my dyslexic mind I was like Wall Street Journal, <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 but no, it's... I was saying a public enemy to all um, S1W. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And, you know, the first comment for Orlando's thing was, there. the first two comments were similar. So I was like, are these bots that are? But the first one was, Orlando Jones was never a slave. He has no business doing this scene. And I was like, oh,
0: right. He's that's never- all about that one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then the second one was, Orlando Jones is a rich Hollywood actor. He doesn't know what being a slave is. Yep. How and,
1: stupid can you be? Yeah. How yeah. really how, how dumb how dumb like I t- <laughs> I'm laughing because I just I cannot maybe because I'm too logical maybe I project my own logical nature on other people why would you even say something like that that makes no sense it's he's narcissism. a black man in America yeah. In America, we, we have shown time and time again, it doesn't matter how much money you have, as a black man in America, you will still be pulled over, you will still be held at gunpoint, and you will still potentially die.
3: Well, I mean that uh, Eddie Murphy story, where he said like, the peak of his popularity, right. he was walking out of a Target or something, and a couple of little kids called him a ninja, but they didn't say ninja, right. and he he said it just made him weep. because, And he was like, I'm so successful. Mm-hmm. And a child cut me down with this word and it it hit me hard. So it's hard not to... I mean, we're all relatively sensitive people who understand that there are other experiences besides our own, but a lot of people are narcissists mm-hmm. and they don't understand how... That's why they get so mad is because it does not compute how you could think differently than it, they do. And you mm-hmm. see that... That switch of empathy has not been flipped in their mm-hmm. brain, and they simply cannot understand a different point of view. It's impossible for them, and so I, I see that and I just think like, oh, you're you're a sad narcissist, and this isn't about
1: that. That, that makes a lot of sense too.
3: It's mental illness. I think racism uh, has a lot to do with mental illness because you're. I, I think the empathy switch is not flipped in some way, and mm. yes, I'm a white gay man but I can relate to somebody being hated Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and it's, I don't understand the specifics of it, but I understand that they're being hated for reasons that have nothing to do with logic or rationale or anything else. And I also don't understand, the thing that cracks me up with white supremacy is that you didn't do shit. Like you just were born and you think that that makes you, I don't understand heritage. As a a source of of pride beyond something basic like oh that's my heritage, but what have you done? Right, like what? Like it's it's very Janet Jackson, you know. It's like what have you <laughs> done? Late yes. for me lately, yes. that makes anything that you're defending. So, what's that guy's name? Richard something? Oh, Spencer. Spencer, <sighs> I, I'm like. I get, like it's mental illness. That's the only explanation that I can think of. Is that the, there's there's a it's mental illness mm. uh, that doesn't make it right. It makes it horrible. And I, and it, maybe that's just me trying to understand hate.
1: You're trying to rationalize how that could even happen with someone.
3: And I realize that <laughs> rationalization is it could be totally full of shit. But I'm sort of like trying to like. What is the mechanism? Because conservative people and liberal people have a completely different neural structure in how they see the world and solve problems. One is fear-based, and one is hope-based. And if you're running everything through a sieve of fear, then that's going to inform your world. So I, I, I get the neurology, and I'm I'm not making excuses for it because I think it's all pretty fucked up, but. I just look at these people and I think you're mentally ill.
0: And it's so funny because I've seen that argument come from them a lot lately where they've been like, liberalism is a, a disease of the mind. That's like the new slogan I keep seeing. And that's just like, wait, what? Like, oh, you know, wow. Yeah. Know so it's just so crazy how people can just flip anything, you know, to use for their own agenda if they want. And just such like you know, how do you battle that? Like how do you even, you know, attempt to like engage with someone like that like it just seems like we're not gonna win well every
3: I'm not sure but it comes down to listening and I I try to listen and understand sometimes and sometimes my brain just like no that you're fucked up you should shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. uh and other times I'm I'm like oh wow you're you're ill and you're in pain and you don't understand why and this is how you're rationalizing it and but you can't say that to somebody like oh you're mentally ill
2: yeah <laughs> now now you're hitting
1: you open a whole new can of worms yeah uh and a whole new can of insensitivity as well yeah so, yeah
3: and it's it, it's now i mean i'm As much as I I, I shake my fist at Susan Sarandon for, you know, saying, well, maybe this country needs to be woken up and needs to have Trump as a president so everybody will get active, which I I, I think is – it's like saying, oh, you needed to have an abusive parent to kick the shit out of you in order for you to become the person that you are today, which is a psychological fallacy. And any good psychiatrist will tell you that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I – appreciate that people are fighting for things now that they didn't know that they had to fight for and we just need more of them to fight and are you watching the handmaid's tale no no
1: i saw i saw an episode but i everyone is talking about it so i'm like okay maybe i should give it some more time
3: Uh, did you see the first episode? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's heavy, because I watched it with a few people, and everybody but me said, I'm out, it's too depressing.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) why I haven't started, because I just keep
3: hearing, and I know the subject matter, I'm just like, ooh, that's something, yeah. It's depressing. Yeah. Uh, but it is also like, oh, we need to we need to fight harder. Mm-hmm. Like for me, whenever I see it, I was like, we got to fight harder. Yeah. Like we've got to be more vocal. We've got like we've got to speak up every time somebody talks about the president. and Say, no, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's not a president. He's he's a useful he's, idiot. idiot. He's yeah. a useful idiot to Republicans who want to get their it's, their agenda agendas. Story, Absolutely. Yeah. I
1: I want to make sure that we get this one in before we get too deep into anything else. Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know, obviously, the years and years of that you've been involved with Star Trek, and I am the Trekkie of the the, the group. Um, you'll hear why later. But I'm the Trekkie of the group, and just obsessed, obsessed. Thought it really was the pinnacle of everything sci-fi. I'm a huge sci-fi person. Me too. You were attached to Star Trek Discovery for a while. You, you, you're still executive producer, at least the first season, or did you drop it? Um well? they,
3: Like, in title only.
1: In title, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's why I figured, because I know you, you were doing that. You were also doing the day-to-day and all that stuff. Then you had to drop because of your uh, obligations to American Gods. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned it was really that situation where you couldn't do both, so you kind of had to choose. How did you choose? Like, what...
3: Well, it was you know it was challenging in in a variety of ways, um, it, and it wasn't certainly a, a happy decision mm. uh, in any way. And and really, for me, so much of wanting to do Star Trek Discovery is I like I said I love Deep Space Nine. Deep yeah. Space Nine was one of my favorites, and and it was one of my favorites because I loved the relationship between Avery Brooks and Chirac Lofton and I thought that father-son dynamic Mm -hmm. was so beautiful and such a wonderful uh, metaphor for trying to rebuild a relationship uh, with devastation after a devastating Mm -hmm. loss and how that was so beautifully symmetrical with what was happening on Bajor with a uh, a planet that was trying to rebuild after a devastating loss and I, I just thought that was so smartly put together and the characters were also wonderful and and well drawn. And uh as somebody who had that experience as a second grader um that I shared earlier, I was obsessed with the thought of Ruby Bridges being growing up to be May Jameson. Wow. And what With that little girl's experience who and you see those pictures of her and she's like, fuck you, I'm going to school. And, And she's just like, she has no time for your bullshit. She's going to get an education and all of this hate is swirling around her. And she was like, that is not my problem. This is my goal. And I always found her to be a massive character of inspiration because she is an innocent who just knows that she's got a job to do and she's going to do it. And yes, that she is symbolic in so many ways, but she's just got her books and she's ready to go and she doesn't have time for all of that other stuff. And so I I really wanted to have... uh, a much stronger female presence janeway is fantastic i love janeway uh but i felt like there was an opportunity to tell a story that tied into some of the race issues that we have now and so to have a character who is a who had uh, and you'll have to see the show i don't know I, i have no idea how much of this they kept um but has a a racial experience that's about being human mm-hmm. but the it's it's a it's a black person so anybody right. watching it knows what's going on yeah. um and then also having a command that is an asian woman asian- and SIO, yeah we talked about having scenes where you would have a captain, a first officer and an admiral in the same scene. And I was like, they all have to be women. And we, uh, we, yes. we talked about the agenda. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I had a agenda with uh, discovery and um, you know, we, I was very happy. Like we hadn't cast Sonequa yet, yeah. uh, but I had met with her. And right before I left, I was pushing, I was like, She's the one. She's the one. She's the one. And CBS was like, "We don't think we can hire her because mm-hmm. The Walking Dead won't release her because it'll. Everybody will know that uh, then, her character Sasha, no, is Sasha is dead." Is yeah. dead. Um, well,
1: that didn't stop them. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they, didn't... they figured that one out pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, but they didn't do it officially. CBS yeah. was like, what? what they were like, know? no, it should be on both. Right. And everyone was like, "Sausage Right, 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 No, right. no it's, it's the SMG you're thinking of, Sarah Michelle Gellar. We don't yeah. know. We don't know so um, I was really proud to represent women in strong roles in a story that is about overcoming, ultimately for this woman who had this horrible racial experience, and then as a result became an a xeno-anthropologist. So it was all about, if you're different from me, I want to know everything about you. I'm not going to be afraid of differences because this was my background. And that was kind of the, the main impetus and, and thrust for her character. Um, but I'm very curious to see how everything falls out because I left and it was kind of like, okay, and then everything it, went off.
1: How early on in the process did you leave?
3: I left in late October.
1: Right. So, Because I remember that that story coming out. So was the writing already done at that point or
3: I had written uh drafts of the first two episodes okay. and uh an entire arc for the season. Right. So I left right. so. uh those two scripts and then the story arc. Um and I honestly have no idea They're where it's, where it's going that. and
1: did you see the trailer, the Caesar trailer? Yes. Yes. What did you think?
3: I I loved seeing two non-white women in command on on a starship. That I thought was the big takeaway for me was, if anything, that's something I can be very proud of.
0: That's very interesting because you went from, you know, Star Trek Discovery, which is like, Star Trek is always the vision of the future that I hope for the most, you know, and like just the idea that we'll get past, you know, race and recognize everyone as human and just one, you know, entity that we all need to be a part of and join hands, whatever. But then you also have American Gods, which uses the. I love that you use the tale of the white buffalo, where you keep referencing the white buffalo because mm-hmm. that's something that's real. I well, I saw the last few episodes, and you mentioned that it happened in like 2007. The buffalo was born. The white buffalo was born. Oh, oh, right, right, yeah. And, but and, I and, know of a tale. There was one in like 1995.
3: There yeah. was another one being born. Yeah. And there have been white buffalo. That was just that specific white buffalo that they were talking about.
0: Okay, so there's been more than
3: one now, obviously. So, yeah, it's...
0: Well, for those who don't know, the white buffalo is a a Native American tale about how eventually white men will have to choose between their technology and the people. And if they don't, you know, we'll be destroyed, and if they do, we'll enter a new realm. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you have this idea of Star Trek, you know, of this new great age, and then you have this idea of American gods, which keeps referencing these things, but also shows... The divides. Do you think that we'll ever achieve that like vision of a better future, or are we just our divides
3: just gonna keep chopping it up? I, <laughs> I think there's always going to be resistance because of humanity and its mental illness um, to to getting along. And I think you know one of the One of the biggest regrets about leaving Star Trek is not being able to put that at the front of the conversation of this is what happens when we all get our shit figured out and move forward as a planet, as opposed to thinking that all these different groups are different. Um, American Gods gives me that platform to talk about those things in in unexpected ways so i feel like that's that's kind of helped and and honestly working on american gods was a a big salve for what's happened in the last year Hmm. and being able to and you saw the finale Mm -hmm. uh and that we watched it the day after the election and so we're sitting there watching it and it's like you know there's no shortage of the links that men will go to to bring down a powerful woman and it was just fucking depressing and then for like a week I was just I woke up in a rage every day I was just furious and then I started just channeling it into the show and saying okay we just we just have to like make sure that the show Is as good as we can make it, and that's what we can do right now to resist, and that as well as you know being vocal about things. But it was really the show giving an outlet for rage and frustration that you know that night was very depressing, and I remember like watching it and i felt like starbucks or starbucks starbucks hannibals and starbucks yeah i I felt like starbucks you know and she's like you're going the wrong way and she's on the ground and i just Mm -hmm. i felt so helpless and i just i just had that image of katie sackoff you know on the ground saying you're going the wrong way and i hope all those people go to jail and uh, I hope the what is right about us as a country comes forward. but it's not going to be easy. We've got a lot of work to do because there are, people are rock fucking stupid in this country. <laughs> like twenty five percent of this country believes the sun revolves around the earth. So that's a that's a shocking level of stupidity that is a very high hurdle for us to get through. And, and I'm sorry, America, you are bone-fucking-dumb. Uh, not all of you, but 25% of you. And, Absolutely. you know, that's, like, people say, like, oh, you can't say that the public is stupid, but it's like, they are, they're fucking stupid. Like, if you voted for Trump, it's not a smart decision because that guy reeked of corruption. And if you couldn't smell it, your, your olfactory glands are broken.
1: Or you corrupt yourselves and it's so deep into it that you can't smell your own shit.
3: Right, right, because you're just lathered in it.
1: <laughs> well, you have survived the Fambrose interview.
3: I hope, I hope you invite <laughs> me back because Definitely this is, this back is because delightful. We
1: have so many more questions for you. But before you go, we do have our Brat segment, which yeah. is our quickfire um, question and answer segment. Yes. So you have some choices, you have to pick one, all right? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. The Wire or Breaking Bad?
3: I haven't seen either. <laughs> wow, that's, yeah, the uh, answer,
1: that's the first time someone says I don't know either. Okay, they're,
3: they're like I've only seen one episode of Breaking Bad, and it was the anti- penultimate one where everything happened the the, the third to the last oh, one. Yeah. and I was like, this show's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well
1: yeah, you didn't. I have sit, to go you back through all the sludge to get there, but yeah. yeah.
3: All right, uh, Magneto or Professor X? I'm going with Magneto and the gay metaphor. All right. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um,
1: this is testing your your comic knowledge a bit, but Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom?
3: Um, I would say Lex Luthor because at, there are at least a few uh, film adaptations where I've liked Lex Luthor, and I haven't met a Doctor Doom that I've liked on screen yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Uh, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Black Panther.
1: Michael Myers, Freddie, or Jason?
3: Okay, that's my jam. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's Freddie loses because he's a child molester, and that's hard to get behind. Yes. Uh, Michael Myers, if you are big into the novelizations, know that there is some sense of Sam Hain and ancient Celtic rituals uh-huh. that are like there's a devil in Michael Jackson, or Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson, too. <laughs> Michael Myers. I yeah.
1: saw him slapping up. Uh, I saw God, I'll look into that later.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna say Jason because uh he had a fantastic mother that he loved dearly and that's why he does what he does. Awesome. I
0: don't think Jason gets enough credit for the hilarity of his kills either. Because <laughs> like like Freddie, you know, everybody laughs when he kills people, but Jason is hilarious when he's killing.
3: Oh, especially if you're in a sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or R V. Star Wars or Star Trek? Wow. Ooh gosh, it's so difficult. Um I think it, I would I would have to boil it down to a character, like it would be a character versus a character because the, the worlds are so give me so much joy. As much as I love Star Trek and everything that it means for all of us as humanity getting our shit together and it's this planet and it's this people and right. that's that's our future. That's probably uh, where I would lean out, but equally, Princess Leia mm-hmm. as a as a little boy, mm-hmm. wh- I was I, I wasn't interested in Han Solo, I wasn't interested in Luke Skywalker, I was interested in the woman in charge, and that. So, if you were like Princess Leia versus any character on Star Trek, I would choose Princess Leia.
0: Nice, wow. I, and it
3: would be hard because I love Kate. Grew, mm-hmm. but Princess Leia as, as a young girl who knew that things were fucked up and was a spy mm-hmm. and a rebel and royalty... And princess. a smart ass. And a smart ass. <laughs> yeah. That's a good answer. <laughs> See, that's lady. a respectable answer yes, I could definitely. get behind. So yeah. you
1: can't hate. I'm like you. I'm, I'm just very respectful of everything. But overall, I
0: I am too. Yeah. I am too. But wars changed my life. You know, that's what, you know, that, like my sister said, I was a quiet child and I came out of the movie A Talkative Toddler. Oh, yeah. that was, that's everything.
1: So we're almost done. What's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie?
3: Okay. Uh, There are a few. I would say Blade. Um, but the reason I love Wesley Snipes in particular is that I remember, and I was just talking about this at breakfast, uh, Will Smith in the 80s, late 80s, did an interview with David Letterman. And he said he, it was for Six Degrees of Separation. And they were talking about The Kiss between him and uh, Michael C. Hall. And Will Smith said that he called Denzel Washington and said, what do I do about this kiss? And Denzel Washington said, don't you ever let them kiss, you, let see you kissing another man. Don't ever let them record it. Never in your career ever do that. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, Denzel. <laughs> um, and then two nights later... Wesley Snipes was on and he was promoting Too Wong Fu and David Letterman said, what would you have told Will Smith right. if he asked you that advice? He's like, are you playing a gay man? Then you kiss that man because mm-hmm. you're an actor. It is your job to become that authentic person. And if that is your hurdle, you have no business being an actor. And right. I was like, thank you. He said it without being homophobic. Whereas the thing with Will Smith and Denzel Washington was so homophobic. Yeah. and And Wesley was...
1: Like you're an actor. It's like he was a, he was a professional.
3: Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I will always choose Wesley Snipes over Denzel Washington.
0: <laughs> I do, it, I, <laughs> I, I, wow, I do have to say though. I, I mean, I know it has its own issues, and Denzel probably has its own issue. But also, I know that Will and Denzel also, and black men in general, all we feel like we get emasculated a lot yeah. on right. screen, and right. there's not a lot of masculine portrayals, and then there's not a lot of romantic portrayals right. of you know of strong families of even. So, I'm there's it's a tough call. Like, yeah, I, it's I, more I, that. Yeah. I always, like, I applaud Dave Chappelle when he was like, they wanted to put me in dresses and I wouldn't do those films. Right, right. So it it's tough
3: yeah it's a and it's it's also it's one of those things culturally where i'm thinking at it as a gay man going like hey yeah and you're thinking of it as a black man saying like no there's this whole other bag that you don't even know about but then at the same time i don't give a shit if a man wears a dress so it's right. like <laughs> yeah right, right. It,
2: as long uh, as it's, it's a good dress
0: it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my choice buddy so it's, it's we're just oh, it's so tough um all right what character's death struck you the worst In any medium, like hurt you the most book, TV, film, one of your own.
3: A lot of people say some Hannibal ones.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) I bawled like a baby when Hedwig died in Harry Potter. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Animal bravery (laughs) will (laughs) fuck me every time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For for, for Hedwig. Uh, That's a great
1: one. Yeah. If you could have finally, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be?
3: I wish I could get inside people's heads and influence their behavior.
1: Mm, so you want Jean Grey's power? Yeah. There you go.
3: All right. I'll take Gene Grey.
1: Excellent. So you have survived the BRAP segment. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: Thank you for for having me. We
1: will definitely have you on another time. Um, And before you go, please let the audience know where they can find you. Um, Social media, online, all that stuff.
3: Uh, I am Brian Fuller, and you can find me at Brian Fuller on Twitter or on, what's the Graham one? Instagram. Instagram. (laughs) I was like, Snapgram. uh, It might as well be Snapgram. They're all the same now. Uh, Instagram, I'm Brian Fuller Graham. All right. Awesome.
0: All right. And thank you for joining us in the spaceship today. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Bros. And welcome back, fan bros. I know you enjoyed that interview with Brian Fuller. I mean, shout out to that brother. Best hair in Hollywood as well as one of the best producers in the game right now.
1: Yeah, man. I enjoy talking to him.
0: Yes. And, you know, as you see, he is now using the hashtag, the G-A-W-T-S. Did I skip the D? I always skip the D. Yeah,
1: you skip the D. Oh.
0: Hey.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> We're so childish. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, see, this is the power of Fanbro Show. You just, you know, you say what you want and it comes true.
0: Word up. Fan Bros, I hope you are all subscribed to Fan Bros Show on iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. You know, head on over to Lootcrate.com/slash Fan Bros. Use the code Fan Bros. Get yourself a discount on anything on the site. Get fresh. You see them socks? I had them joints popping off Fan Bros Show Instagram. Woo! ooh, fire! Fire, fire, let me tell you, boy. Lootcrate.com slash FAMBROS. Use the code fanbros. Get you discount now. Uh-huh, for real.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Word up so you can be fresh and ready because now it's time for one of my favorite moments on this show every week. The guac is extra.
1: And the guac this week We have a question from Mr. Swisha. They write, Are superhero movies beginning to oversaturate the market?
0: Well, Mr. Swisha,
1: I, for one, are not, I'm not tired with these movies at all, as long as that, they incorporate especially like in 10 years down the line when when the mcu is still going strong supposedly i hope that they incorporate new techniques and that they incorporate new storytelling tools because I like at the end of the day i am super excited to see so many of these heroes that i have not seen yet be on live action and then of course there are the the tested uh characters that actually do work and i can watch them all the time loki i love captain america Uh, winter soldier bucky like there's and, and obviously um rdj but i don't i don't know how long he's gonna be hanging around doing tony stark that being said i i like these people i like the characters that most of them represent and i like the way that the the mcu particularly has been done DC Comics, WB movie, you know, leaves some stuff to be desired. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Considering that Wonder Woman has gotten rave reviews, I'm really excited to, for that to continue on. So am I exhausted? I, no. And will I become exhausted? I, I doubt it. I will become exhausted when certain movie houses just keep doing, like, the same tired thing every single movie. Then that's yes. when I have a problem.
0: I'm already exhausted with, you know, Marvel doing Doctor Strange, doing Iron Man over and over again. Right. Yeah, In different movies.
1: Yeah, see, that's what I mean when I say the same kind of stay thing. Like, I don't, I, we, Iron Man 3 was a mess to me. I hated it.
0: Get, you're out of your mind.
1: I hated oh, I, 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 it. I hated it.
0: Iron Man 3,
1: yes, I hated it. Iron Man Iron 3 Man is 3.
0: the best Iron Man ever. False. I say it again and again. It
1: is False. easily, Lies. easily, it's fairy tales. Easily,
0: easily the best iron man ever how wrong wrong wrong. Wrong. on on one of the best holiday films ever have a
1: whole episode with me expressing why i i hate iron man 3 when i mean i say hate dislike with a passion i hate thor like the dark world or whatever the hell it was called
0: that's pretty bad right iron man 3 is a classic
1: as far as all of the iron man's iron man 3 is the worst
0: it's amazing. Wrong. It's so much better than part two. It's uh, in, It's equal to part one, if not better.
1: Nah, but to answer the first part of Mr. Swish's oh, question. What, what a
0: failure to understand. Oh,
1: yeah. oh, now it's a failure to understand, or maybe it's a failure for you to comprehend how bad it is because you're being a fanboy. But no, let's go back to the first part of Mr. Swish's question, which was, are superhero movies beginning to oversaturate the marketing? Hell no. Now that answer is yes.
0: No, no. The answer is
1: yes. Okay, tell me why you think uh, No.
0: No, because it, they're not oversaturating the market. There's a lot of great movies being watched. It's just what you choose to go, I mean, being made. It's if, just it, what you choose to go to see. And, and are, like, all the great movies being made promoted? Are they all, like, on, like, the same stale of superhero movies right now? Probably not. But then there's, like, I mean, Aliens just dropped. Uh, there was Life earlier this year. If we're just talking sci-fi and, you know, we got Valerian coming out soon. Like If you're just talking sci-fi and fantasy, there's a lot of other movies being made other than superhero movies. So, no. There are
1: definitely lots of other movies Valerian being is made. from a
0: comic book, though, so... Yeah. R- right.
1: There are a lot of... So, technically, <laughs> there are, yes, to your point, there are a lot of other movies being made, but that's not what the question was. The question was, are superhero movies over the market? And the answer yeah. why I said... The reason why I said yes is because I literally was in the theater just a few days ago, and I stood there and looked at all the posters, and 90% of those posters were about superheroes of some sort. Now, I even went thought about six months before it was the same situation. A year before it was the same situation, and it's only going to increase as time goes on. Marvel has already said that they got movies well into twenty twenty. We know DC is not going to be far behind with that, and then whoever else decides to jump up and that put their the trash party. out, I'm looking at, I'm looking at you, Fox. I'm looking at you, Sony. Um, well, maybe the exception to Tom Holland, but really this what this is what pays the bills for these studio houses they are not going to back down on this maybe for you personally um again i don't feel i don't have a negative thought when i say they're oversaturated i don't mean in a negative manner i'm just saying that yes they are they permeate uh movies nowadays they really do
0: oh yeah but i i have no problems with that because they yeah, also have, have a problem, such variation. but it's because,
1: true that they saturate
0: yeah but they have such variation logan is such a different film from guardians of the galaxy you know um Deadpool is such a different film from anything that was done before it as far as Fox.
1: Now they have variation.
0: Yeah, and even before them, especially if you're really talking comic book films. What
1: what was really the biggest variation besides maybe Deadpool?
0: Well, like I said, if you're really talking comic book... I mean, if you're just talking superhero movies...
1: Comic book superheroes, whatever. Like, what do you... What no, do you comic
0: mean? books are very different from superhero movies because... They, let, me, oh, let me finish, let me finish. What because do you Because if, if, if you include comic books, you have to include films like Kingsman. You have to include films like A History of Violence. Right. You have to include a lot of films that... Ghost World, that people don't know came from comics first, you know, True. that are comic books. So, no, that's a whole different, you know, side of it. Now, if you're just talking superhero films... Even in Marvel, you know, like, because there's a lot of saturation you have to look at Netflix and at the TV shows, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a very different thing than the netflix shows the netflix shows are a very different thing than the movies so mm-hmm. even in there there's like a lot of variations so
1: right but back to the question he says superhero movies and i know when people use this term not saying what you said made perfect sense Ben, in terms of the differences between comic books and superhero movies but in this question they said superhero movies which i know they were talking about the marvels and the dcs yeah. and all that stuff so that's what the focus is and it's a focus on movies not stuff that's not stuff that showed up on tv and abc not stuff that showed up on netflix we're talking about the movies
0: and you go into a movie theater
1: right now and 90 percent of what ticket you can buy or buy in the next month is for a superhero movie
0: that's a good look baby
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is a good like i said i'm not exhausted i'm I'm really i'm still into it i I love seeing when it's done well i love seeing these characters come to life
0: Yeah, and there's too many that I'm anticipating. Like, value hasn't even started. Image hasn't started. I haven't seen an Invincible movie yet. You know, I haven't seen a true movie yet. Like, nah, Uh, bruh. Saga, you know, one can dream. Like,
1: Oh, wow. Saga would be incredible. Um,
0: Animated series, only way. Jesus.
1: Well, anyways, thanks, Mr. Swisher, for that question. Yep. The next one is from Mad Hatter Zero. They write, real question, yo. If you were to remake Marvel Comics, both in business strategy and creative lineup, what would you bring to the table?
0: You know, I hate when people ask us these questions. Like, <laughs> I'm going to and answer you and tell you how to make money or something like that. Sorry, Mad Hatter. Um, and, and, like, I'm going to tell Marvel how to do it. You know, bigger than you, Mad Hatter. Like, you know, no offense, but I'm not about to tell Marvel how to do it. I mean... Uh No, uh, their, their biggest problem is that Marvel is a corporate owned business and they are competing against other companies that are more creator owned. So that is going to be a huge problem from here into eternity. And because of that, I can't really recommend anything because it's really hire great people to write these books and to illustrate these books. Right. But those great people want to make the money that they can make owning their own creations. That Sorry. is very true. Yeah, I can't answer that one, Mad Hatter. But I will say go buy Black Bolt. It's dope.
1: The, my answer is hire more people of color in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, in the boardrooms, making pe- people making a decision. Like, man, I'm not going to go into the very specifics because that is, um, that's my IP. But I will say, overall, you need to put people of color in there.
0: Yeah, and more women, et cetera. You know, diversity, inclusion. But that's another issue that they're not fast to fix. And so I'm not going to do it for him. All right. As always, send in your questions to contact at fambros.com. Hit us on the Twitter at show, and we will answer any and all question. Does not have to be geek related. can be anything you got on your mind. Just let us know. You know, we've named babies. We've, you know, officiated marriages. We've done a lot of things with the guac extra. So, you know, just send in, you know, anything you got and we'll answer it and you know i guess it's time for some
1: tech talk with Tali this week in tech news some more uber grimy stuff from uber is being unearthed. i feel like every week there's something else wrong that they did and it I just
0: still keep using them I'm, I'm just... i mean i
1: mean like i said that's not that shouldn't necessarily stop you from using them if that is the service that you wanna use, you use it. I personally am not the type of person who's into like socially bullying people not to use certain services. If that works for you and, or for sometimes for some people, it's a need-based thing. If that's what you want to use, fine. Just be aware that Uber, every week, something else is coming out about Uber. This one now is about that Uber has been using their AI to charge certain customers more money, specifically using their AI to charge people as much as possible for a ride. So basically using using what you think would come logically, using that data of their travel data, figuring out when people travel from a very affluent area to another affluent area, maybe they're willing or able to pay more. But they're also doing that for poor people. So poor people, say they're traveling from a poor area going to another area, they may charge more for those types of people. Uh, people may have ask, well, how do you know if you're rich or you're poor? They use a lot of demographic data um, within that, uh, when you sign up, you're actually giving a lot of information to them. So they use some of this demographic data. They use GPS and the fact of where they're getting you, where they're picking you up, where they're dropping you off. And they make it, and they, meaning the AI, makes the determination of fares. So it's interesting because I've always thought that it was just distance-based and then also based on if it was a very busy time, if there was search pricing, things like that. I didn't know that it was, raising and lowering the price based on whether you were essentially poor or rich
0: well basically that's something that regular cabs have done since the dawn of cabs so well
1: well with the cabs here they just don't pick you up if you're black so
0: no but also if they do pick you up they're gonna charge you hella amounts if you're going somewhere you know where they don't want to go they're well, gonna yeah, find but also, a way to you know they're gonna tick on those fares and right, you know, right. double but, this double but that with and.
1: cabs rigged or not you still have a meter and the meter then there's still quote unquote rules for that meter so like you know every whatever cents every half a mile or if they pick you up from port authority they put on two dollars like stuff like that there's there there's actually built-in rules on the side of the cab inside the cab where you can more or less kind of figure it out so if they do pick you up you you kind of know what you're getting into (laughs) versus if (laughs) versus with uber for you to think okay well You know, they're just charging me what they think is the right rate for for my distance and and the time that I'm traveling. They're adding some more information into that. So that's something to be aware of. And then also, we should be aware that um, RoboCop is definitely coming for sure. But this one is much, much more milder than the RoboCop, you know. A few hours ago, um, the first police robot officer went on duty in Dubai, I know you don't care for them, I <laughs> i mean, but they said that, the government said that the aim was to have 25% of their police force be robotic by 2030, but they don't want them to replace humans. And when you look at this robot, it's not like, well, it, it's it's humanoid, but not quite. It doesn't have legs. It's like on a, almost on a Segway kind of base. It, it has the hat and all the nine yards. The police hat, but it has a touchscreen on his chest, and basically you would walk up to it and get information, report crimes, pay tickets, stuff like that. So it was more of like a, a mobile kiosk, helpful kiosk. It's not so much as a as a cop. That being said, who knows what the next upgrade is going to look like? Please put down your weapon. You
0: have twenty seconds to comply. I think it better be yeah. what he says, Mr. Kenny. No, it's not even that I have a specific dislike of Dubai, which I do, but I just have a specific dislike for police officers and also robots involved in police officing just never seems like a good idea to me, so yeah welcome to the future though folks you know
1: welcome to the future Um, and also soon maybe Benami, you'll be able to get your own exosuit right now they are actually testing some in I believe in Virginia well somewhere down south they're testing some in like Lowe's to help like the workers who are trying to carry heavy items actually lift up heavy items lift up items heavier than they normally could carry um, it's just a really small test, but if it goes well, you may see this in stores like around the country. I mentioned a hardware store, but it could technically be anywhere. So you might be in Costco one day and see people wearing XO suits.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Then I could add out Iron Man 3, you know, the best Iron Man in them all.
1: Oh my God. And that's it for tech news.
0: All right. And speaking of Iron Man 3, the best Iron Man in them all, it's time for comics i Mhm, mhm. Mm-hmm. and it's actually a really short week in comics i copped this week i just want to shout out a few things to drop this week that you might want to pick up there's venom issue 150 from marvel yeah venom the enemy of spider-man who actually got his movie announced did we talk about that last week with um what's what's my man tom hardy is playing venom Did we actually get to talk about that?
1: I don't. I think that happened. Either we talked about it or that happened after the show aired.
0: Yeah, I feel like we didn't. I mean, it's awesome, you know. That's the end of the story. It's Tom fucking Hardy. Like, that man could play. Like I said on Twitter, Tom Hardy could play Luke Cage, and I might have to buy a ticket. You know, it's like. Nice. I, I, I might have to see that happen. So, yeah, Venom 150, you know, dropped this week. It's written by Mike Costa. But the real reason to pick this joint up is the art by Trad Moore. I talked about him before on the, oh, no, I was about to say the Brief Wonders the the talented Luther Strange, there's these three books, Luther Strange, and I talked about Tradmore. He's just a beast and some of the sickest, like most action-packed, kinetic, ill art you'll ever see. Like reminiscent of anime, manga, but just, I mean, he's just sick. And Venom 150 features Venom, and his art is really suited to somebody like Venom, so definitely check that out. I already got it. It's sick. The art is beautiful. Dope ass issue. Also, Redneck number two by a friend of the show Donnie Cates and Lisandro Esteran. Redneck is a book about these vampires who own a bar in like. Deep in the heart of like Texas somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's on issue two, number one sold the F out and went to like reprint after reprint. So definitely pick up number two because I could see this being made into a series, you know, a movie, something down the line. And it's also, you know, really interesting from the first two issues. So definitely check that out. Also, Anima City number eight dropped last week. I didn't get to mention that. And also from the same company, uh, Aftershock, that publishes Animosity. The Normals Number 1 by Adam Glass and Dennis Palero. This is the first issue, but this is a really um, interesting series, man. I, I guess I can just give this away because the premise of it is what matters. It's about this family who, by the end of the first issue, finds out that they're all robots. Like, wow. they're just living, you know, a normal life, you know, off in the suburbs. You know, typical white family living in the suburbs and through like their son, you know, gets into a little accident and they kind of realize he might be a robot and they go to investigate. And by the end of the first issue, they find out they're all robots. Is there some
1: Vision shit?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure where it's going to go. You know, I don't know if it's going to get dark as hell like Vision did or what, because, it's you know, it ends. The first issue ends with the father and, you know, being told that his whole family is robots. And wow. so I don't know where it's trying to go from there, but I really liked it. You know, just for a first issue, The Normals, number one, you know, by Aftershock, by Adam Glass and Dennis Calero, you know, it got me. So I always like to check out new number ones. Whenever it's a new number one that week, I'll check it out just to see what it's about. And that one, you know, it's interesting. Animosity has been putting out, I mean, not Animosity, Aftershock, who puts out Animosity, has been putting out some good work. So check them out. And that's about it for Comics Psychop this week.
1: Go ahead, what you thought?
0: I mean, I I think this is something that I... As much as I dislike Fifth Element for various reasons, this is definitely a movie I'm going to have to see on one of the biggest, brightest, IMAX-iest, 3D-iest screens am that I can find.
1: going to the real IMAX at Lincoln Center yeah. and watching that joint. Like, honestly, Ben, I got dumb excited after I saw the trailer. Like, it was lie. freaking fantastic. The scene where... Um Valerian where he is that his last name, Valerian? What's his what's his first name? That's
0: his first name is Valerian. That's his first name, Valerian. I think he's like Agent Valerian.
1: Agent Valerian, right? This the the scene, the quick scene where he's like jumping over a, a the large gap, or
0: whatever he was doing. Yeah, like, he's yeah. like he, first
1: he was jumping through multiple wormholes. Like that's and that's part of the whole Valerian series that they go through yep. different worlds. But he was jumping through multiple wormholes, and, and 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 you can see the worlds he was in just for that few seconds he was through that yeah. wormhole. And then just even to get to the wormhole, he was like putting these like. Portal type discs under his feet, like he was shooting like platforms into the ether to jump up to basically a place like in the sky. <laughs> yeah. it, it honestly, it looks freaking incredible. And Luke Bazan, he he's done a hell of a job. Like this is his dream to do this movie. So I, and we we even talked to them not too long a few months ago. We talked to them directly. And again, this this really excited me. I, I'm still nervous about how it was going to be received. Again, we don't see much promo for it, but they're going to wait until what, June to start really doing the oh, hell yeah. heavy promo, yeah, hell yeah. which still gets on my nerves, but hey, whatever. I just feel like for stuff that a lot of people don't really know about, because I had never heard of it before, even though it's the grandfather to everything, I never heard of it before. And I know I'm not the only one. I feel like they should like definitely do some extra work to make sure people know and acknowledge that it's it's coming. And it drops July 20, 21st.
0: Yeah, so no, there's time. The only thing is, I didn't. I mean, this is the final trailer. You know, there'll be a lot more TV spots, you know, interviews, yeah. etc. You'll hear more from them on this show. So I'm not worried about that. They're going to promote the hell out of this. And and also at the same time, because you got to understand the other pro- things they're fighting are like Wonder Woman, you know, and Guardians True. of the Galaxy tested name brand. So it's like. You know, if you throw Valerian out there right now...
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, Like, who knows who that
0: is. Yeah, people don't don't have that long attention spans to keep keep it in their head. It's better to wait. Especially for this one, Wonder Woman, that was questionable. Because that's a known
1: character for generations.
0: But this one, I can understand. You got to wait till you got a space and then you got to bang it. But I didn't understand why they dropped this trailer so early, but... Uh, the last know.
1: trailer, right? And also, yeah. interesting thing that both you and I noticed—they were playing like a rendition of Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah, that is so theme music. So
0: weird. <laughs> it's
1: so weird. So... I was just I, as I was watching, I was trying to find the connection. Like, okay, well, I can see, and I kept saying to myself, "Well, I can see." Nah, I can't see that. Well, this maybe.
0: Most of our nah,
1: life. I mean, it's it's like a stylized version of Gangsta's Paradise, and it's there's so no... direct. It's it's and it's just. It's a stylized version. It's much slower. There's no words or lyrics or anything like that. But if you listen and you know that song, you can you'll pick it up.
0: Yeah, so. instantly. Because I all all day I've been walking around singing it, and, and, and then julio's the <laughs> and my eyes and the you know verse pops in my head, and I'm just like, yeah.
1: yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm just I'm, you're excited too, but I, I'm I'm super thrilled to see it. That it looks expensive as hell. Uh which is actually a good thing. It actually looks like they, they really I mean, obviously he he this is one of Lupasan's life works that he as he has uh mentioned to us. So we're looking forward to seeing this.
0: Definitely. And also the Netflix animated series, the Castlevania trailer dropped. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got a quick glimpse of that and that looks fire. I didn't it know looks it it's animated. That's what that that right. I thought it was to be a, a live action when they were I like did. Castlevania series. I was like, Oh, this to be terrible. I and, did and, too because, yeah.
1: right, we reported on that on the Fanbros Twitter not too long ago. And I was just like, why are they making this a lot? Li-? Like, stop making everything live action. It don't work. But animation now. Yeah. Hell yeah, that shit works. Hell okay. Yeah. That's- I'm all over this. Animation is within video games. So. And when you watch the trailer, it, it opens really sick. It opens with a shot of the classic NES. You see a person walk over, pick up the cartridge, and blow into it. Classic. Oh. They, they put it into the NES, <laughs> and then it, the game starts playing on screen. But instead of the game playing, it's like an NES version of Netflix playing. So wow. it shows the Netflix logo and like the 8-bit kind of messed up looking graphics that like, like an old NES would have. And then it shows, um. Uh, uh, what is the show? It shows a few shows. It shows uh, uh, the line for Castlevania. Oh, it shows House of Cards. It shows the line for House of Cards, and like once they put their cursor over it, you see like a an eight bit thing of of Frank Underwood. They show um. I don't, don't spoil it all. Don't spoil it all. Just no, like no, no, you know, no, I'm not gonna spoil it all. all. They show they show lots of different yeah. of shows. Yeah. But that that's just just the open That's literally the first ten seconds, and then yeah. there's way more in it.
0: I mean, obviously, they're showing off the Castlevania series, which drops July 7th. And we are definitely got to do some live tweeting with the Outlaw Bars. I'm going to be all over this. I might have to make an appearance on Outlaw Bars after this drops because I'm all over this right here. Probably more so than I am One Punch Man right now because this looks fire.
1: Yeah, it looks good. And I didn't know it was anime anime style. Not just animated, but anime style.
0: Yeah, because I was just thinking this would be some live action, and I was like, Simon Belmont? Like, I, I guess we get <laughs> another dude fight. Like, you know, I mean, basically, because all Castlevania is is basically Van Helsing. Like, it's like, come yeah. on, man. Like, I don't need to see that again. Right. It's a series. I, you know, I don't need to see Penny Dreadful again. You know, I'm good on any of those right now. You know, I barely want to see this damn mummy movie and this universal, you know, monster universe they're trying to push down our throats. <sighs> yeah, I'm
1: not. I'm not there for that. I don't Mummy think that's trying to work universe.
0: out. I, I I just don't think it's trying to work out. They 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 already say the mummy's coming up, and then Bride and then of Frankenstein. Are they gonna
1: do Frankenstein? They're gonna do all the classic monsters. I'm just
0: yeah. like, why? And, and and like Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise. This is who you're choosing to lead. Johnny
1: group? Depp.
0: Yeah, Invisible Man. I mean, he should be an Invisible Man, but Whoop. yeah, you know. Jade. Yeah, just a bit. Um. So, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm like I say, July 7th, Castlevania. That's the thing that I need. You know, all that other, you know, the Mummy and the rest. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Anything else before we get out of here tonight, Tatiana?
1: Yes. Very important that you guys go to fambros dot com. Make sure you're checking it every single day because there's always something new popping on there today. What dropped? We had, on Color Page, he dropped his review of Injustice 2. Uh, so it's a video review. So you get to... Oh, I
0: got to peep that.
1: Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, if if for some reason you can't watch it, we also included the transcript in the post. Uh, also, Curvy Geeky Girl, she dropped some new fan fashion sets, fashion fandom sets. Um, this time for... She did Alien last week um there's a lot that she has on there so definitely check that out shout out to Katrina Montgomery who uh did the recap um who's been doing recaps for Into the Badlands she just did one for the season finale said it was super sad all that stuff but in uh, general there was
0: a lot of anger over this there season was
1: a of lot life. of anger there was I a lot of anger yet,
0: but I just by understanding where the anger comes from I'm pretty sure I know what happened and
1: there's a lot uh, of anger
0: yeah <laughs> Ouch.
1: There's a lot of anger. Uh, but point being, make sure you go into fanbros.com because there's always something cool and new happening on there. Also, be on the lookout in the next few weeks. You might see something special happen. Might be a, a nice Easter egg that appears on FanBros.com. Also, make sure you are going to FAMBROS TV. Uh, ben Amin mentioned you can go to the Loudspeakers Network page and subscribe if you want to see behind the scenes of us in the studio with our guests. If you want to see some original content, the gaming reviews from Uncolor page and some other stuff, you want to go to FAMBROS TV on YouTube. And as always, go to LootCrate.com slash FAMBROS. Use the code FAMBROS to get a discount on your Loot Crate subscription. We telling y'all all the time, it is no joke. The Loot Crates are always dope. Dope gear, dope items that you will not get anywhere else. Make sure you check it out.
0: Word up. And like you said, all that dope content on Fanbros.com, you got to check it out. And as always, we are always looking for more people to join the spaceship because, you know, it's more than an army, more than a navy, more than a movement, more than a movie. It is Fanbros for all nerds. And we need everyone to join in on this awesome stuff that's happening over here. So if you have any way that you want to contribute, please hit us up, contact at fanbros.com. Let us know what you want to do, what you think you can do, what connects you have, how you want to take this to the next level. You know, anything, let us know because we are about making connections and making things happen over here. Especially, I got to give a shout-out because we are looking for people to contribute on this social media. So if you have any type of social media skills as well as anyone involved in video production creation all that because we have some super super big things happening over here so we need some creatives in that area so please hit us up contact at fanbros.com get down with this because things is popping over here fanbros